In today's episode, we will discuss the names and character of God. In the same way we were able to learn some important things about our enemy by examining some of his names and actions, we can also glean important information about who God is and what he is like. So, let's take a look at some of the names of God. Know first of all that there are many names for God and many passages demonstrating his character. For the sake of time, however, I will only provide one or two scripture references for each attribute. I highly encourage you to read the passages I cite to you so you can gain a deeper understanding of who God is. Probably the most well-known name for God is Yahweh, which you can find in Exodus 13. That's Exodus chapter 13, verse 13, and also in Exodus chapter 14. And the name Yahweh means Lord, or literally, like a literal translation is I am. Some other translations will say I am who I am, or I am that I am. The point is, I am. It means the eternal, self-existent God. And technically, we don't know that this is the way to pronounce his name, because in the Hebrew tradition, God's name was considered to be so holy, so sacred, that they didn't speak the name, and even went as far as to leave out letters in his written name. So we don't really know for sure that's the way it's spoken. But anytime you see the word LORD in all capitals, this means that the name Yahweh would appear at that place in Scripture. A good number of God's other names emphasizes power or strength, such as El Shaddai, meaning Almighty God, which you can find in Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. El Roy, I think that's how you pronounce it anyway. El Roy, meaning the strong one who sees, found in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. El Elyon, or El Elyon, El Elyon, or Elyon, meaning most high, the strongest one, found in Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. And Elohim, meaning strong one, divine. Other names indicate God's eternal nature and authority overall, such as Adonai, meaning Lord or Master or Owner, found in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, or Exodus chapter 13. Or names like El Olam, meaning Everlasting God, which you can find in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. So, the names of God and there are more than the ones I've listed for you here, give us a good amount of information about who God is. Let's now look at some passages that describe some of his attributes. First things first, God is the creator of all that exists. A popular verse for this attribute is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, which says, and this will be one of the few ones I read out loud for you, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So everything owes its very existence to God creating it. This includes, but is not limited to, everything that exists in our universe. So what does this tell us about God? Well, 
first of all, it tells us that he is enormously powerful in order to create everything that exists. And secondly, it tells us that he is a wonderfully creative being. It also tells us that God isn't a part of the universe or has his being permanently bound to the physical universe. God existed even before the universe began to exist. So unlike certain pantheistic views of God, God isn't enmeshed with the universe he created. According to Britannica.com, pantheism, in case you guys don't know what this is, pantheism is, quote, the doctrine that the universe conceived of as a whole is God, and conversely, that there is no God, but the combined substance, forces, and laws that are manifested in the existing universe, end quote. I bring this up because it's somewhat common for people today to refer to God in ways that is most similar to pantheism. You might have heard people saying things like, the universe is trying to tell me that this job just isn't for me, or I'm waiting for the universe to send me a sign that I should ask her out. What's important to know from this passage I just read to you in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 is that God existed before the universe did. And that means he isn't a part of that universe and that he possesses enormous power to be able to create our universe along with everything in it. So, to put it into crystal clear terms, God is not the universe, nor is he composed entirely or partially of the physical universe. He couldn't be. In order to have created it, he would have had to create part of himself. That would be kind of like a weird metaphysical bootstrapping. The second thing that this tells us about God is that he is eternal. You guys are going to see this attribute repeatedly mentioned throughout the Bible as you read it and in some of the passages coming up. God has many attributes. So many, in fact, that I don't have time to list them all and provide biblical citations for you. Instead, I'll simply list a few of his well-known attributes and trust that as you read the Bible, you'll discover them yourself. God is omniscient, meaning he knows everything. God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere present. And God is omnipotent, meaning that God is all-powerful. So, he is able to do anything, he knows everything, and there is nowhere a person can go that he is not present which for some is a comfort. No matter where you go, God can be found. But for those that are doing things that you know God doesn't approve of, it can be a scary thing. Nothing that you do goes unseen. It's nothing that you do can be hidden from his sight, from his knowledge. There's a debate about whether or not God is able to literally do anything whatsoever, or only things that are logically possible. But I'm not going to touch that too much. Basically, the debate circulates around if God can do all possible things, as well as things that are logically impossible. The logically impossible would be something like creating a round square, or creating married bachelors. Some people believe that to say that God can't do the logically impossible is to limit his power, but I personally don't see it that way. I tend to see this the same way that C.S. Lewis does. Consider what he says in his book, The Problem of Pain. And normally I like to do accents, but this is a longer quote, so I won't do that to you. 
Quote, His omnipotence means power to do all that is intrinsically possible, not to do the intrinsically impossible. You may attribute miracles to him, but not nonsense. This is no limit to his power. If you choose to say, God can give a creature free will, and at the same time withhold free will from it, you have not succeeded in saying anything about God. Meaningless combinations of words do not suddenly acquire meaning simply because we prefix to them the two other words, God can. It remains true that all things are possible with God. The intrinsic impossibilities are not things, but non-entities. It is no more possible for God than for the weakest of his creatures to carry out both of two mutually exclusive alternatives, not because his power meets an obstacle, but because nonsense remains nonsense, even when we talk it about God. End quote. I hope that makes it clear for you guys. Um, he's, he's basically saying, you can't just say God can do something, and then whatever you say after that fact is true. It is true that God can do all things, but not the logically impossible things. And that is the view that I, I tend to, to favor. Um, I've had people try to argue with me in the opposite direction of that, that he's able to do both the logically possible and impossible, but that's kind of a side note, kind of irrelevant, but I thought it would be interesting for you guys to know that that is a debate. It's kind of what we call an in-house debate, something that Christians amongst themselves debate and theologians debate, um, not necessarily something that you would talk to somebody who's an unbeliever about, unless, of course, that's what they're interested in. But anyways, regardless of what you believe on the issue of God's omnipotence, God is enormously powerful, and his power stands above any other being. There is nothing, and no one, not even the devil, who can come close to the power that God possesses. While the concepts of God's omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience are fairly easy to understand as well as well-known by most, God's holiness is something that is central to who God is, and it is much more difficult to understand. There are many concepts sort of embedded within the concept of holiness, such as purity, goodness, perfection, and morality. However, God's holiness has to do primarily with him being separate, distinct, sacred, and unique from all creation. In other words, when we say that God is holy, we are saying there is no one and nothing like him. This might be puzzling to some of you who are familiar with scripture, or if you've ever heard a Christian say that we were made in the likeness or image of God. If we were made in the image or likeness of God, doesn't that counteract this notion of holiness? Aren't we like him? And doesn't that mean that he isn't as unique as the term holiness would imply? Well, not quite. Allow me to be technical and nerdy for a moment. In theology, which is known as the study of God, there are such things as communicable attributes or properties and incommunicable properties or attributes. Communicable properties are properties that are able to be shared between humans and God, while incommunicable attributes cannot be shared. Those incommunicable attributes 
only belong to God. An example would be eternal self-existence, which in theological terms is known as God's aseity, which is spelled A-S-E-I-T-Y, for any of those that want to look that up. Only God has existed eternally forever and will always exist. Now, when Christians are you know, brought to heaven and we're, we're meant to live with God eternally for forever, we're going to be eternal from that point on. We're going to exist forever in one direction only, whereas God has existed eternally both in the past, even before time was created, and also in the future. He will always exist. He always has existed. He's the only one that is able to be spoken of that way, that he exists eternally and uh, is uh, self-existent. He doesn't. He didn't make himself. He's just always existed. So yeah, this is an attribute that only God can possess. Going back to the idea of uniqueness or God's holiness, this incommunicable attribute, going back to the idea of uniqueness or God's holiness, these incommunicable attributes are part of what makes God holy. Even those communicable attributes, though they are shared with other beings, are part of what makes God holy because there is no being that possesses both the incommunicable properties and the communicable attributes like God does. God's holiness is celebrated and is a huge part of why God is respected, loved, and adored, or at least it ought to be. To make it maybe a little clearer, While we do perform acts of justice or righteousness on occasion, or even maybe somewhat consistently, God is always just in all that he does, and all of his ways are righteous. Another example, while we can sometimes be wise, God is wise always, and to a degree that is unachievable by human effort. Think of any positive or good attribute, and God has it more abundantly and perfectly. God's holiness is a massive topic, and I don't have the space to cover it here in the way that I'd like to. Just know that it is essential to who God is and why he is worthy of worship and obedience. I'm adding a link in the show notes to an animated video that does a pretty good job at describing the general idea of God's holiness. I highly encourage those who have questions to watch it and to ask your local pastor about why God's holiness ought to be important in your life. Other important attributes of God are He is perfectly good. He never lies. He keeps all His promises and is therefore trustworthy. God is spirit, as Jesus says in John 4, verse 24. He is faithful. He is love. He is light. He is the good shepherd. He is a father. He is merciful. He is forgiving. He is full of grace and he is just. There are so many important things to know about God and who he is. You could spend your entire life studying just who God the Father is and never get around to studying Jesus as the Son of God or God in the person of the Holy Spirit. I do, however, recommend spending time getting to know the entire Trinity as best as you can. So in this episode, I can only give you the briefest snapshot of who God is. 
Next time, we will look at ways we can know when it is God speaking to us throughout our day and during our prayers. So I'm really looking forward to that. Let's close this out with a prayer. Dear Father, thank you so much for everyone who's still listening to this podcast, to everyone who's still uh, being enriched by it. Thank you for giving me the motivation to continue with it. And thank you just for all of the incredible support I've had from friends and family who are encouraging me to keep going. Father, I, I do ask that you enlighten all of our minds as we read scripture and as we learn from the Bible, we learn from our pastors, we learn from our elders, all those who are in authority above us. Father, I ask that you give us clarity of mind to be able to understand these things um, in a way that's true and in, in a way that will bring us close to you, in a way that will make us desire you more and to desire to share you with other people more. And Father, I ask uh, especially that for anyone who just has a ton of questions, that you comfort them and that you reassure them that there's nothing wrong with having questions and that uh, in a way it is a way of honoring you to have many questions. And I just ask that whatever answers that we get, that we are humble in, in receiving them and that we are able to grow from them as a result. So, Father, be with me, be with those who are listening, and help prepare me and the words that I will share next week on how to know when we're hearing from you, because that is so important. In Jesus' name, amen. Right on. You guys are still here, which means I think you guys like the things that you're hearing. If that's true, if you are enjoying this podcast, go ahead and like or subscribe, rate or review this podcast, and that would be incredible. Not only would that personally encourage me to keep going, it also makes it easier for other podcast listeners to find this podcast. So go ahead and do that. Help this podcast out, and I hope to hear from you guys soon. In the meantime, keep praying.